Inside a rough and ruthless newsroom, thousands of stories fight for the spotlight. Only a few survive past their 15 minutes of fame. So what makes for a good headline and what makes for a buried byline? Join us, two former TV news producers, as we dig up stories that never got the recognition or justice they deserve. I'm Mallory Wilson. I'm Megan DeLucine. And this is Buried Bylines. Okay, well, first things first, we have to address something. Oh, the fact that we didn't say our names until episode 18. No, I am talking about how we did an episode about Marianne Higginbotham and her boyfriend, Timothy Willoughby. And then we found out that apparently there are allegations that Timothy Willoughby is connected to the Burger Chef murders. Yes. I do want to preface that by saying it's only in one documentary. One documentary that we recently watched and we decided that because of this, it feels like we have to cover Burger Chef. Yeah, We're not doing it today. No, 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 no. (laughs) Because Burger Chef is the type of case that will probably take two weeks to get everything together because there's been, I mean, it's probably the most infamous unsolved case in indiana so yeah yeah and it's it's, one people ask for a lot which we definitely will be doing it like breaking down why it blew up but yeah we also think that that may be an episode that's better suited for a guest um who has spent more time covering the case than Megan and I have. Obviously, we've covered it and we've talked about it at our station, but we, you know, it happened and... We were not alive. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And we know enough that we could definitely talk about it off the cuff, but that's that's a case we want to get right and we want to have all the details. And so, not today, but we are addressing the fact that we recognize that there's a possibility that Timothy will be... It was my mom, because she was like, um, what, did you know that, um... We my my uh your your dad and I um watched this documentary. I think it's called Murder at the Burger Joint. Yes. Um, and the, some of the main talking heads are podcasters. Is it Murder Sheet podcast? Yes. Mm-hmm. I believe. So I don't know if they uncovered some of that, but the person that is alleging Timothy Willoughby and Marianne Higginbotham kind of being in that circle is not a super reliable narrator so it's it's a little bit tricky but like yeah they she told me that and I was like there's no way we would have seen that somewhere and like yeah. literally if if you google it or if you look at newspaper archives there's nothing they don't come them. up together until until recently when that documentary came out but before like when I was researching Timothy Willoughby it didn't come up with right. his name so it's newer to the discussion in the case and the reason that I think it's relevant and that we do need to at least do a Burger Chef episode and mention this and talk about it is because the narrator insinuates that Marianne could have died because of what she knew about the Burger Chef murders. Yes. 
and we did a whole episode about her death and it just feels like we have to look into yeah. that a bit more. Yes, but I think we need to dig into it a little bit more, which is why we're doing it a little later. Yes. But so, it'll be a, it'll be a really good episode. I'm excited. It's co- it's a coming. We promise we'll do it. It's <laughs> just not today. Not today. <laughs> With that being said, what about today? Um, what about today? You don't even know. I don't. I have zero idea what you're doing. I haven't seen you in like two and a half weeks, maybe three I weeks. Know. It's been a minute. We worked ahead for a while. And so we did. you went on we vacation our- and I went on vacation and our dear listeners so. providing you content like the queens we are. Yeah. <laughs> you're welcome. You, you never even knew. You never knew. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so for today's case, we're going to look at another Indiana State Police cold case. This one is a bit more recent, though, so there's a better chance you may have heard of this one. Let's dive into the death of retired farmer Lowell Badger. Lowell Badger? Have you heard? Farmer Badger? Farmer Badger. Badger Farm. No. Okay. I've never heard of this. On December 8th, 2012, 85-year-old Lowell Badger was found dead on the bedroom floor of his rural Sullivan County home. Lowell lived in a small town called Miram, about 30 miles south of Terre Haute on the west side of the state. And when I say small, I mean the town population in 2012 was roughly 225 people. Interesting. Does it still exist? Yeah. Very small. I even looked, and in 2021, they had less people than they did. Oh my god! So it is old people. Yeah, it's like it's like 200 people live in this area. This case immediately is like a nightmare because the Indy Star reports that Lowell's son was the one who discovered his body. Okay. So yeah, instant speculation. And in a town of 200 people, like everybody knows everybody's business. Yeah, it's just, I couldn't imagine going to my childhood home and finding my parent No, that's so sad. Let alone murdered. Per usual, the initial report from Indiana State Police didn't reveal much. Officials indicated Lowell was murdered, but didn't reveal specifics. The Indy Star reported there were, quote, obvious signs of trauma. Investigators also said electronics and other items appeared to be missing from the home. So the immediate narrative here is pointing to what is often referred to as a robbery gone wrong sort of thing. Yeah, I hate that. Yeah. And I will give it to police. They immediately were on this shit. They were all over it. They requested help from the public as soon as they could to gather more information. They asked anyone who may have seen or heard something suspicious to call the Putnamville State Police Post. After that initial report, the Indy Star announced the case had officially been ruled a homicide, revealing that Lowell was shot to death. Okay, yeah, obviously signs of trauma. Yeah, yeah. I had read other reports that he was beaten a little bit too, so I think maybe that was the, like, immediate signs oh, of trauma gotcha. yeah and then he but his official cause of death was that he was shot the indy star also indicated that police had began questioning neighbors and potential witnesses it's safe to say a small community like this was pretty rattled 
Mm-hmm. They immediately rallied to help police get answers. So within days, upwards of $3,000 was raised in reward money for information that led to an arrest or conviction. 1000 of that came from Wabash Valley Crime Stoppers. The other 2000 was from the Indiana Farm Bureau, which Lowell was Aww. very invested in. That's nice. As investigators took in tips, they expanded their search in and around Lowell's home. On December 17th, the Associated Press reports more than 100 state and Sullivan County police officers searched nearly two square miles around the home. That's a lot. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It was aggressive. State police was all over this. Yeah, they took it seriously. Yeah. And State Police Sergeant Joe Watts said around 20 items were found and handed over to detectives. Within a week, that reward money skyrocketed from $3,000 to $25,000. Holy shit. From just what? From people just donating? Or was there a donor? Oh my god. Yeah. So that was within a week. And Just a couple days after that, on December 23rd, the Indy Star reported that state police had already questioned more than 80 people. But Sergeant Watts said those interviews weren't necessarily with suspects, just people who might have information that could help them solve the case. Sergeant Watts also revealed at this time that one of the items stolen from Lowell's home was a 46-inch Sony television. So they interviewed half the town, literally half the town. Probably. (laughs) Newspaper coverage went dry for about six months until police published a renewed push for information. On May 24th, 2013, Indiana State Police asked Sullivan County residents to be more aware of their surroundings outdoors. They were looking for items possibly discarded by Lowell's murderer or murderers. The list included gloves tools, knives, firearms, or anything suspicious and out of place. So, so just like, what does that not just scream small town? It's like, hey, everybody, keep your eyes open. Like, yeah. And like, there's shit on the ground everywhere in rural areas. This was also when police revealed one of the biggest clues in the case. So aside from the television, there was a gray Two feet by three feet safe that was taken from Lowell's home. That'd be heavy. A whole ass safe. So yeah, that immediately makes me think more than one person. Yeah. And Did I think that's also, no, they never said what was in the safe. And I don't know if there's any way to really know. One of Lowell's kids said that she didn't think that there was any money in there, that there was probably just, like, important documents and stuff that he had. like a fireproof safe or something. Yeah. Okay. This is the point in my research when I knew investigators were struggling because another year and a half passed without any coverage or updates on the investigation. So it wasn't until December of 2014, the two-year anniversary, that another article was published. State police issued a new request for tips in the case. They received more than 100 tips so far, but they weren't really getting anywhere. And the reward for information was now at 30000 dollars wow that's that's quite a bit for that's, a little reward that's a lot i feel like yeah i mean isn't isn't the reward in the floor case like five thousand dollars yeah but so, isn't this a white man yes <laughs> yep 
an old white man who honestly seemed very, very sweet. Like, like we'll get into it. Looking at his picture, it's just so hard to see. Uh, I feel like it's just so innocent to kill an elderly person. Yeah, and it's not like, well, I mean, farmers can be rich as heck. So I don't know. So they're thinking it's a burglary. Yes. But we're they've definitely targeted. They've definitely confirmed that it was burglary that led to murder. Every article is like saying it was a burglary murder. This is kind of where this time it's falling into a really sad pattern that we see a lot in newsrooms where it's only getting attention as more years pass without answers. So there's always a renewed push on the anniversary. So in 2015, three years after the crime, Lowell's son, Alan Badger, who was the one who found him, Mm -hmm. made a plea to the public. He said, quote, there are a lot of pieces to this puzzle, and I'm sure there are pieces that need to be put in place. It may take just one piece that someone has that they don't think is critical, but it can make the puzzle complete. That would be hard to just, (laughs) you literally can't do anything until more information comes up. Like, yeah. I mean, as far as I know, there are no key witnesses. There's nothing really pointing them in any direction here. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad that the son was continuing to push for information because that's what keeps stories alive. And I'm sure he was in contact with media and state police. And state police, like you said, I think did a really good job even doing a renewed push at the year mark. That's all you can do, really, if you're stuck. Yeah frustrating. Indiana State Police were also interviewed for this story and Lieutenant Jeff Heron said they were still fielding tips but didn't have any leads that would necessarily get them to an arrest. He did say they have quote a couple of suspects so that's Mm. all confusing. (laughs) Yeah but the way you said that made me think we don't have enough but we have something you know. Yeah. It feels like they might have an idea or they've had people say things and we'll circle back to that. But Mm -hmm. senseless crimes like this can make anyone feel uneasy. But I really do feel like that feeling and energy is amplified in smaller communities. Like it takes over and becomes the narrative for the entire city. Yeah, that's all you talk about. Like, yeah. In a like, tiny town where... Unfortunately, it, Delphi is always going to be connected to those murders. Yeah. They're never gonna just be Delphi ever yeah, again. Yeah, the Delphi murders. Like, not yeah. the Abby and Libby murders. It's always the Delphi murders, which is unfortunate. But, yeah, especially in a small town, I bet the rumors were flying. And that's what makes me... Is Do you know if his property was by itself? I don't. I mean, this is a very, very rural part of the state. Yeah, I'm assuming like a farm, which is big, like multiple acres. So and then I feel like gunshots were not necessarily uncommon. That's fair. Like shoot shit in the woods, shoot beer cans or whatever, or go hunting. So it's a seemingly random crime. It doesn't seem like he was targeted from what you've told us so far so that's scary when crimes are just not targeted then anybody could be a victim and like they're still out there exactly and that's why Mm -hmm. everyone in town felt so uncomfortable and I think this case especially highlights the complexness of small towns and there's a quote at the end from Lil's son that really puts it in perspective 
small towns, you feel safe. And then something like this happens and then you don't feel safe anymore. And then it's like, okay, well, we're not the same like small town. And then people start questioning each other. And then it's like, neighbors, like they turn on each other. And (laughs) yeah, yeah. Anyway, a family friend of the Badgers and Sullivan County Council member Dwayne Wampler provided insight on the impact this had in this town. Dwayne said, before this, many people in the community, including Badger, left their doors unlocked. He said, quote, there are people in this community who bought guns who would have never had guns until Lowell was killed. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, anybody would would be scared. And also lock your fucking door, please. Yeah, please. please just lock your door. Please it's not... lock your doors and windows. Now we're in 2016, the four-year mark. Same old, same old call out for information. Police are still actively working the case. State Police Sergeant Watts reveals that investigators recently called on divers to search nearby bodies of water for the items taken from Lowell's home. Other than that, no update. They didn't find anything in the waters. That's weird to me. I mean, I guess at this point, they don't really have anything else to do. They're like, I, know, I don't know, shit, like, maybe we'll just, we check the land, maybe we'll just check the so. water. 2017, the five-year mark, police released a statement saying, quote, we strongly believe someone in the community has information related to the case. The reward money is still up for grabs at $30,000, and officials remind people that their tips can be anonymous. With five years being somewhat of a milestone anniversary, there were a few longer form pieces that I really appreciated in doing my research, especially the in-depth article from the Sullivan Daily Times that provided a lot more information about Lowell and who he was as a person. So Yay, this is my favorite thing that journalists do. I know, it's like Finally, it took five years, but now five I years. fucking learn about this poor 85-year-old man who was murdered in his own home. Uh, so tell us about him. Tell us about so, him. So the interview was done with Lowell's three children, Alan, Brenda, and Linda, and they spoke about their childhoods and how loving their father was. Brenda described him as a devoutly religious man. He was very involved with his church and local branches of the Indiana Farm Bureau. He was married to his wife, Nellie, for 59 years before she passed Nellie. away. So cute. And I just want to note that the article really opened my eyes to the family impact and how much these kids have been through in their early and adult lives. So Lola and Nellie actually had another son that died at the age of seven in a tractor accident on the farm. And then they obviously lost their mom to illness. And then a few years later, their father was tragically killed. So terrible. These kids who are now adults. I mean, they were adults when their parents died, but it's still, that's so freaking hard. That's a lot of trauma. Yeah. It's one thing if your parent dies naturally or they're sick, but to have your elderly parent murdered. Yeah, someone took their life away. For what? Uh, Well, good for them for, like, keeping it alive, like I said, because without people like that, there's no interest and again good on state police because it seems like every single year they do another push for information like they don't forget about it so that's very good on them 
They do. And Brenda said the yearly reminder of her dad's death is hard enough, but she said it's even harder to celebrate his life knowing his killer is still out there. Daughter Linda added, quote, this is just another year we've had to endure the pain and the waiting. Sergeant Watts reassured the family and the public that Lowell's case was far from cold. He said even five years later, they were still getting tips and actively following up on them. 2018, it's the six-year mark. Please Stop again. Stop taking up years. Oh, my God. I know. I know. That's uh, all I have is, like, ventral The six-year mark, police are once again asking for new tips. They're stating they, again, believe someone in the area has credible information that can bring closure to this case. Reward money, still $30,000. 2019, I don't know what the fuck no. happened, but there was not even anything published. I don't know what the oversight was there. Eight years later, in 2020, there's finally some new information. I'm just going to say, while this is good news, it is equally as frustrating. No. So, Indiana State Police released a batch of photos to the public, and I would like to say that it is unclear how long State Police had these photos before releasing them, okay? What do they look like? What are they? Based on the details, it feels like they aren't brand new. So these (gasps) images are stills that were pulled from a gas station security camera in Graysville, which is another small town just a few miles east of Illinois and the Indiana state border. And police said the cars in the photos may have been in the area around the time of Lowell's murder. Okay. So, okay. Listen, I took a look at the video posted on WTW's website. To me, it just looks like one truck pulls into the gas station and two men get out. One walks around the side of the car, pumps his gas, then he gets back in the car and the two of them drive away. It's nothing crazy, but regardless, police say, quote, these vehicles passed by or stopped at the gas station shortly after the murder. And I know it feels like a stretch, mm-hmm. but I did the googing so you don't have to. Thank you. You're welcome. Graysville <laughs> is less than a 10-minute drive on State Road 63. It's seven minutes. Those two entire towns, that's not pinpointing where his house was and where the gas station was, yeah. is seven minutes. It's closer than me trying to go to your house right now. And we live close. And we live one town away from each other. That's true. So is it closer to the border or no? So it's north and south, actually. Okay. It's Yeah. Okay, because my theory was it could just be people coming from Indiana going into Illinois. But if it's north, like, they, you would go west. Yeah. Not and north. And Sullivan County Sheriff Clark Cottom said, quote, taking into account the murder occurred in the wee hours of the morning and Graysville is a very small town, the hope is someone might recognize a car or a person. So basically they're saying this area is so small that if people were out and about around this time they may have heard something may have seen something may have potentially been involved yeah and if you're in a small town you know everybody's car and what they drive too yes And police didn't say if they want to speak with the drivers as potential witnesses or potential suspects. Sometimes they do that. 
sometimes they will say, we want to talk to these people to know if they saw anything. Or sometimes they'll say, we believe these people were straight up involved. It finally is some sort of physical evidence that could help rejog the public's memory, dig up a memory they may have forgotten. It's definitely something. Uh, I hope so. I mean, it's all they have at this point that we know of. So this was around December that that was released. In May of 2021, six months later, it's the eight and a half year mark. WTW does an incredible 11 minute sweeps package on this case. Oh, yay. So for a little newsroom insight, there are four sweeps periods a year. It's February, May, July, and November. And these are basically ratings periods. It's a really big deal. Depending on where you work, there's levels of how big of a deal it is, but news stations (laughs) across the country will place a special focus on in-depth storytelling. They'll take longer to investigate pieces. It's kind of like when they bring out the big guns, like all the big stories. They take more time on stories and they run it for longer. Yeah. I mean, I have never seen an 11 minute. It was Uh, almost 12 minutes. Right. But in a small market you can kind of get away with stuff like that. Oh, yeah. It's everything. (laughs) And you could tell that this was something they had been working on for a while. Family and friends sat down to talk about Lowell's life and the lingering questions surrounding his death. His son, Alan, talked about how traumatizing it was to find his father dead. He said it was something he will never be able to unsee. Once again, community members weighed in on the impact of Lowell's death, calling the entire situation terrifying. Even all these years later, one woman said, quote, he lived out in the country. It made a lot of people think, well, if it can happen here, it really can happen anywhere. Yep. Another community member called Lowell's murder a stain on Sullivan County, which is heartbreaking. I know. State police told WTWO that the video evidence released just a few months prior helped revive the case in a way. They got more tips and potential leads. It brought it back to top of everyone's mind. Officials said they were able to contact some of the car owners in the videos and eliminate them from consideration. So they were at least able to talk to some of them. I think they they still had a call out for some more information, but community members made their own push for answers after the video was released. Lowell's longtime church made signs saying, stand up, speak out for Lowell Badger. Oh. I know. The lawn signs were placed all around the town as a visual reminder that his case is still open. Yeah. The incentive to call police jump to as the reward was sweetened from $30,000 to $50,000. Oh my god. That's a me that's a story in and of itself. Yeah, definitely. Wow. That could have been like a two-parter. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Alan talked about how much the community meant to him and the family and here I would like to dissect this with you a little bit because it's really hard to balance all of these feelings. And I think he's doing a really good job at saying it. But he says, like, this is why you want to live in a community where everyone knows each other and is, like, invested in your lives. Like, they rally around you. They bring you support. But at the same time, 
he's having people come up to him claiming that they know who killed his father. Oh, no. Like, scammy people. Like, small-town gossip of, like, well, I know exactly who it was. And he is just trying to remain faithful in law enforcement that is actively investigating the case no matter how challenging it is. I was very impressed by his willpower and his strength of just being like, people can say whatever they want, but it's clear that police don't have enough evidence to to charge somebody charge someone or else they would have like it's not like they've been ignoring this case like if they had something they've been pushing for it yeah i think they've been doing a good job later that same year the nine-year anniversary rolls around in december state police make another push surrounding the images at this point they've received nearly 300 tips and conducted more than 170 interviews one difference i did see was now that there was a visual element to highlight more TV stations in the state were highlighting the anniversary. So I saw the article and statement from police published by Wayne TV in Fort Wayne, Fox 59 in Indianapolis, and they really pushed that the stolen safe and TV could be the answer in this case, especially the safe. If it was located, it could really help police try to figure out what happened. But did they say what it looks like? Like Yes. So they okay. actually released an image of a similar model to okay. Lowell's safe. It's the same color and size. It's like a cream colored, pretty small, but heavy. Yeah, like one you'd see like in a hotel, like where you can yeah. put your shit. Yeah. Yeah. My and thing is, why are they hung up on the TV? I don't know. I think That's it was just because... Thing. It was, those were the only two things that they could clearly be like, these were were taken. taken. Yeah, but like, how do you know it's his? I don't. Yeah, it's all they have. It's all they have. Yeah. Mr. Badger, no. I know. This past December marked 10 years since Lowell's murder. The anniversary received by far the most media attention so far, but Mm. at its core, the messaging was all the same. There's no new information. Police still believe answers lie within the small town. At the same time, tips are still coming in, and police refuse to say the case is anything but active. There are no persons of interest or suspects that have ever been named in the investigation. As of today, July 12th, the same holds true. ISP said, quote, be the one to help bring closure to the Badger family. And with that, I'd like to say if you or someone you know has any information regarding the murder of Lowell Badger, please call Indiana State Police Putnamville Post at 765-653-4114. You can also call the Sullivan County Sheriff's Office tip line at 1-800-589-0805. So if you're scared to come forward, I'd like to emphasize that you can still remain anonymous and if justice isn't enough for you the reward is still fifty thousand dollars right and at this point they have more tips than the population of the town so like keep it up like that's crazy everybody in the town has called has called at least once Uh, it's that is frustrating. so sad to me. And this case is actually, when you go to Indiana State Police cold case page, this is the one that's on the main page. 
And I think it's the safe of it all, like not knowing what was in the safe. I mean, that alone, there could be a lot of motive if there was some, if there's money, a lot of money in the safe, if there was like. Yeah, but they said they didn't think there was, right? Like I mean, the kids, the kids did, but I mean, I'm sure my parents have fucking money lying around that I don't know about. Right. Or, like, it could be, like, jewelry or... Yeah. There could be, like, really expensive or important things. I mean, there there could be anything in that safe. I don't know if I'd feel comfortable saying it was targeted. I don't feel like it was targeted. I, I know don't it feel doesn't like there's feel targeted. Enough... Yeah, it doesn't feel like there's enough information to say that it's targeted. It's really fucking sad. Why do you have to kill someone? Just, if you're going to rob him, just rob him. He's 85 years old. He's probably not going to stop you. Right. But that could have been targeted not because of him, but because of his age. Like, maybe they were canvassing the area and saw, oh, it's an 85-year-old man who lives by himself. Easy target. I don't don't know. know. Oh, no. Now I'm sad. (laughs) I hate it. I... Hate we're always it. sad but i do i, I do want to commend the indie market for kind of rallying around this guy and his family yeah um, i was thoroughly impressed while it was sad for me to have to not see a lot of coverage it was nice to know that i mean the hyper local of like sullivan county and the news outlets there yeah. and also Terre Haute, the surrounding market, and even expanding into Indy, took an interest in this case and kept pushing forward with it. That's like the opposite end of the state. And it's really sad because maybe there weren't any witnesses. It feels like the only people who really know what happened are Lowell and whoever killed him. I know. Terrible. So frustrating. We need to not do a cold case. I know. I'm like, maybe we start moving those fun facts up to right before the, like, I don't know, because, yeah, I can start. I'm actually looking for one right now, because I Say something. Okay, fun fact. Okay. A baby puffin is called a puffling. Oh. That's so cute. What what even is a puffin? A bird? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's like a little toucan guy. It's a chunky penguin toucan. All right. Before I rattle off all these sources, I would like a Vanderpump Rules update. Where are you at? Oh, God. I'm still in season two. Oh, good night. Call me, when, call me when you hit the season two finale. Good night. journalist we want to give credit where credit is due for this episode i got my information from the associated press the indie star the herald the call leader the tribune star the star press the courier and press the vincennes sun commercial tipton county tribune wtwo wayne tv fox 59 wthr and the putnam county post sources on sources on sources Bruh, racks on racks on racks. <laughs> you can find a complete list of our sources in the show notes. Please make sure you check them out. <laughs> Bye! Bye. <laughs>